Ladies and gentlemen, the Frequency Horizon. Affiliated stations present Frequency Horizon episode 109. So here we are, COVID 19 radio play, opening audio montage referencing War of the Worlds. We know now that this world is being watched closely by intelligences greater than man. That human beings busy themselves about their various concerns. They were scrutinized and studied. Perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Can you believe this? Al Jazeera is quoting an astronomer out of Cairo who says there's a weird magnetic disturbance around the Earth's atmosphere. What's that? Is this another one of your Peace in the Middle East feature pitches again? You know I love them, but I keep telling you, it's these coronavirus spear tactic stories that are selling right now. Come on, Rick. You don't even believe that shit is real. And trust me, I, I promise I'll use all the right keywords to make it go viral for you. But no, this is not some offbeat filler to round out your newscast. I think there actually might be a connection. To COVID-19? Whatever. Go with it. But I thought you were supposed to be doing that first-person vaccine test story with Esmeralda over at Nikon Labs this afternoon. No, totally. I am. This is just an extra quick hit blog for you. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I could never miss out on an opportunity to put my body on the line for science. And more importantly, journalism, of course. You're such an idealist. You know this whole operation is just a lost leader to get me in with the Republican establishment to pave the way for the expansion of my biotech empire. Yeah, yeah. I read the piece on The Intercept last week. Why don't you come down to the lab with me while I go and do the pre-interview and load up on some supplies? But just to be clear, you're not repurposing this for some native content bullshit on one of your tech industry marketing emails, okay? You're probably going to get real fucking sick, Dom. For nothing. Participating in a sped up trial for a potential coronavirus antidote? That's hilarious. But the last thing I'd want to do is publicize this thing before we know what the hell's gonna happen. After that Me Too shit from last year, I can't deal with another lawsuit. And by the way, you don't have to be so high and mighty all the time. You know that, right? Yeah, whatever. Thanks for your support. Okay, well if you're gonna come, let's go. You're gonna be late. So what you're saying is, the coronavirus seems to have an otherworldly intelligence behind it that scientists don't even understand yet? Exactly. While it is true that the viral load definitely correlates with age, IgG and IgM antibodies only start to increase around 10 days after the onset of symptoms. That means we're all at risk here. Think about all the healthcare workers who have already died. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But I'm not exactly sure what you're trying to say about the virus. Well. How about this? Imagine the virus is an alien life form that just arrived on our planet from 27 star systems away and launched a high-tech warfare campaign with a mechanism we didn't know how to defend against. Hypothetically speaking, of course. That's the sort of intensity we've been seeing. Wow. Solid imagery. Can I borrow that? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Anything to get past the Trump filter. Well, if that's true, people still aren't taking this seriously enough. I have to get out there. You know, into the cacophony of the lockdown silence we're all experiencing right now, to cut through the media noise and broadcast what's really happening. To be honest, I don't even think we know what's going on yet. You're exactly right. It's really quite scary. 
But so far, we do know that their antibody levels against the SARS-CoV-2 internal nucleoprotein and the surface spike receptor binding domain seem to correlate with neutralizing activity. But there's still so much more we have to look into. Here, take these. They're filled with a solution based on the drugs we're testing. Not gonna lie, I'm pretty stoked to shoot these off. So the way you guys will know if these drugs work is by blasting plasma at some coronavirus test subjects? That's the idea. Don't worry, you'll only be exposed to the viral subjects that have already been brought under control. But be careful. We don't know what causes them to mutate just yet. Sick. Precisely. Stop worrying the boy. Everybody knows these drugs are going to work and we'll all be fine. The president even said it. I'm actually glad the stock market went down, so I can scoop up some distressed biomed assets on the cheap. Good thing I met Senator Kelly Loeffler at that fundraiser last year. I even managed to renegotiate my executive compensation package with the board yesterday. You know if our stock bounces back, I stand to get a $25 million bonus? Yeah, I saw that in the New York Times. Shock doctrine in full effect. Shout out to Naomi Klein. Before we can make any claims about drug efficacy, we have to complete the test. It's super important. And if you're so sure these drugs are going to work, then why don't you agree to pay for the next round of clinical trials? Like you said, you might, right? We need our funders and media partners to get behind us. Now hold your horses. I never said I wouldn't, and I never said I would. I mean, there's no rush. With a 3% fatality rate, I don't think we're dealing with anything we can't handle. Don't mind him. He's been social distancing for the last 10 years in his gated Brentwood mansion. Okay, Dom. Looks like you're all set. Here, take these backup water balloons. Well, there's no water in them. They're filled with the classified Defense Department funded ooze, just in case things go sideways. Or upside down. As Dom heads out into the field to participate in a sci-fi test of potential coronavirus medication, we launch into episode 109 of the Frequency Horizon podcast. I'm Drew Penner, and this is the third installment of our relaunch trilogy. And the first thing I wanted to say is thanks to all our fans from the earlier days for checking back in. It's been super cool to hear from all of y'all. And we welcome our new subscribers as well. After a thrilling two-part journey into the heart of Quebec culture and a brief stopover in Tofino, en route through Vancouver Island back to Los Angeles, we're back on the West Coast in California. Cover art, by the way, is another stunner from UK artist Nancy Wood called The Journey, which was actually directly inspired by the coronavirus crisis, I'll have you know. I love how it feels. It's equal parts microscopic, alien, and deep sea. I know you guys are probably starting to get sick of the wall-to-wall coronavirus coverage on every channel, so we wanted to try to find a fresh way to take a serious look at the subject in typically frequency horizon fashion, of course. We're not gonna rely on the mainline tropes, simply repeating things like flatten the curve, wash your hands, and all that jazz. That's why our podcast lineup today is immersive, creative, and I think you'll find heartfelt. It's the police. It's the police, yeah. What the hell are they doing? Thanks to the acting of my homies Leslie Pine and Jason Bowers, We've got the rest of our COVID-19 radio drama to look forward to. We'll 
pay tribute to the Neurofunk originators, yes, virus recordings, with an Ed Rush and optical mini mix. I hit the front lines as a Lyft driver as LA's stay at home order goes into effect. Together, we are not a Picking up a woman from a hospital who's been experiencing chest pains. Pray for me. And we put things into perspective, interviewing the team behind a film set in another terrifying crisis, one that ended up getting nominated for an Oscar this year. There's a lot to get to, so let's get started. You're listening to the Frequency Horizon. Frequency Horizon. To the Frequency Horizon. Well, let's start on a lighter note. This is one that I heard while listening to Mario Koto's show back when, you know, there were these kind of shows that happened on the radio, and it wasn't just sort of pre-mixed music and whatnot. This is Roy of the Ravers. Abstract the visa. Express IPA. Highly recommend it. Just love some abstract tech house, minimal abstract tech house at that. Pretty acidy, hey? Let's flip it into some drum and bass with Artelan, who I saw 
at that Eclipse Festival up in Oregon. It's pretty sweet. Shout out to Dirty Bird Records. We got Lifted featuring Claire George. George. Next up, a new one from Rugsop. Were you ever wanted?
All right, so this is a message I received from Lucas Pearson on January the 2nd at 6.49 p.m. Hey, man, I just wanted to say Happy New Year. I know it's a day late and stuff, but I wanted to say Happy New Year just because you were my Uber driver last year for uh, New Year's Eve when I had to leave after it hit New Year's at midnight. I just wanted to thank you again for that night, too, dude, about, like, the whole, like, conversation we had about what we were doing. Like, in terms of me doing parkour flips and you traveling and stuff, like, just wanted to say Happy New Year, man. Dude, I was so stoked to hear that. Like, I've been keeping this guy on my phone. It's hard to follow people on Instagram, you know, and uh, sometimes I hang on to them because I can't remember exactly where I met them. Um, And in this case, I was pretty stoked to sort of be zoned back into that moment where, and I'd forgotten it, it had taken place at New Year's, but just sharing this inspiration about each creative, pushing our boundaries, him on the parkour front and me with podcasting journalism, travel and whatnot, and, you know, Actually, I haven't even told him yet that uh, I um, really appreciated getting that message at that moment. It was in my car, outside of Starbucks, and sort of in-between situations. <laughs> There's been so many in-between situations since then that I can't even remember 100% which one, but I think I had to dip and hop to some Airbnbs, escape a situation that was a bit overbearing as far as thinking I was getting closer to the ocean and actually in view of the ocean living like literally two blocks away and yet it's sort of being an unhealthy predicament due to a variety of factors. So just getting that, it was like, you know, shout out from the universe to the ether that, uh, you know, sometimes you put things out there and they come back. So here's me sending something back to him. So peace, Lucas. Keep on jumping, keep on cruising and you know, violating the spatial plane dimension, uh, you know, possibilities pushing the boundaries as far as you can. Keep it up.
go ahead to the hospital and pick up our first passenger. This is real life. But don't fret because we got a sci-fi adventure to continue in a little bit. Alright, so it's 11pm. I just recently got out of City News Service reporting on some injury collisions. Here I am near Pico Rivera, kind of more like Montebello. It's one hour to go before curfew. Driving for Lyft, trying to see if there's going to be any kind of action. We've got a couple rides so far. The last one was a dude wearing like bear pom-poms on his toque. I guess he works in an orthodontics office. The streets are mostly empty. It is often like this at this time. Alien Air Music, one of my favorite trippy shows playing in the background. Fuzzing out for whatever reason, just due to the fact of how far we are from KXLU in my home area and the South Bay. Not totally sure whether Lyft is considered an essential service. I guess I'll find out if I get deactivated at midnight. There's like glistening streets. Must have rained a little bit earlier. We got Travis Holcomb on the decks, it turns out, for KCRW. And I'm approaching the White Memorial Medical Center just on the east side of downtown. Hopefully this person doesn't have the coronavirus. You came to visit your sister. Your sister just had your niece? Congratulations. Did she name it after you? No, why not? She named her Veda. Veda. Since we were a kid, she would always say, I have a daughter, I'm going to name her that. Yeah. What's your name, by the way? Emily. Emily? Yeah. My lift name, though, is Emma. Your lift name is Emma. Yeah, I saw that on the thing. So, you were just at a hospital. Yes. Were you worried at all about, like, going to somewhere that, who knows, maybe there's, like, coronavirus patients there? I just had a daughter, too. Really? Congratulations. Thank you. Her name is uh, Shuri Ann. I've always liked that name, but um, I've watched The Runaways. How do you feel about this whole coronavirus? Do you think people are going too crazy about it? Or what do you think about the fact that we got to be all quarantined now? I think it's the right thing to do. Everybody's going to be stuck in their houses, getting pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> making new humans. Yeah, so nine months from now, you're going to be like visiting someone else in the hospital, right? Are you prepared? Do you have all your supplies? So you have asthma, is that considered like an underlying condition? Kind of my whole life to me, I have to control it. Because like, don't they say that coronavirus affects your lungs, right? Yeah. Recently, I've had acid reflux. Oh wow. Yeah, acid reflux is no joke. Yeah, I know it's acid reflux. Give me a break. Never knew about acid reflux, but now I do. After she had her baby, she started getting it really bad. You're going to be such a good mother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Think you're going to start wearing a mask soon? Oh, oh, that's cool. I was like, oh, great. Wear your mask all the time. I just got it. I'm so happy. I like looked everywhere for one, and I finally found one on Craigslist. She asked me if she could get a heart attack from acid reflux, and I couldn't help but feel like she was in a high-risk category for COVID-19. She says she's been feeling really guilty. Why do you think it's your fault? Oh, really? You know what? You could just be like overanalyzing it too, you know? 
I do that all the time as well. Like, it's funny, like, you, you start, like, getting in your head about stuff, and then that makes it worse, but then, like, at the end of the day, it's like human bodies are resilient, you know? I think. I'm on some medication right now on it, and I just wish I could stop taking it. I have to stop breastfeeding. I think that's what I'm sad about, too. You still had to stop breastfeeding? Yeah. Really? And I got really I would too if I was a woman and I was breastfeeding my kid, you know? I believe in the power of breastfeeding, you know? I think it's like a human connection with, uh, you know, with your daughter or whatever. Like every time now when I carry her, she cries. But I can't breastfeed her. It makes me cry. Yeah. I think you're going to be good though. You know? So? Just wear your mask when you need to at the hospital or whatever. Like... It gave me anxiety medicine, but I hate it. Really? Why? It makes me sleepy, and I have short term of breath right now. Uh-huh. So it wakes me up from my sleep. Like, oh, yeah? I could see that. I hate that this had to happen on this coronavirus. I hate that it had to happen like this. I don't think it's bad, though, how they're having the lockdown. Is, are Lyft drivers still going to drive after 12? I don't know. It's it's 11.36 right now. I guess we'll find out in about, you know, half an hour, right? Hey, look, it's a cat. The side of the road. I wish the best for Emma and her daughter during the coronavirus crisis. But I wanted to get a few more rides in before the lockdown began. You know what? I can talk all damn day. You know that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you ever want me on your podcast again? Okay. Say, what's the last thought you want to leave me with about coronavirus? Pray for me. <laughs> no, not that. Um, God bless everybody, and together we are not apart. It was really nice to chat with you. That was Emily from East Los Angeles as we're rolling through on this nice tech housey kind of track. 11.39. Am I going to get cut off soon? We'll see, but... That was so touching, just being able to have that one-on-one. I mean, I, I have those kind of conversations all the time, but just to be able to get on that level with a girl who's going through some real shit right now and seeing some beautiful things happening in her life, but also knowing that they're threatened by a potential disease outbreak. And two minutes away, we got a two-minute trip west. Amanda, here we come. We'll check back in with Amanda in a little bit, but for now, hell, we got some more music to play. This next one is Bust by Mallgrab. Champion belts, the gyms is for the poems. I rip your hair. 
crisis that I've been reflecting on is how it's made so many of us more thankful as we become acutely aware of the things that are truly necessary. For me, despite beach closures and longer drives to snag waves, I've become even more thankful for the discipline of surfing. More than any drug, getting in the ocean and surfing, even on a bad day, provides a high that nothing else compares to. I remember all the really crappy small days over the last year where It was literally too tiny to get into a wave on a shortboard. At least, if you're not some, like, super intense grom or whatever. So I've been really thankful for the relatively small but decent swell, with even some bigger ones rolling through that we've been blessed with during the pandemic. Plus, you get to see who the real surfers are. When there's nowhere else to go besides your house, those moments in the ocean are critical. I'm thankful that Orange County and Ventura officials have mostly kept the beaches open. And I really hope the idiots who don't follow social distancing rules don't ruin it for the rest of us. Because finally, after all these years, surfing has become a daily experience for me. And it might not last forever, so I'm just trying to focus on how lucky I am right now to be one of the few people on the continent who gets to be saved from coronavirus insanity by surfing. And trust me, I don't take it for granted. It's pretty sick too.
Alright, that was Feel Good featuring Kron Ben by Marabou State. But I think it's time for part two of our radio drama, don't you? When we last left Dom, he was heading out into the urban decay to run some experiments. Hey, little guys. I guess you're the cute antibody creatures keeping this viral patch under control, eh? Wow. Kind of looks like the virus has taken on the form of evil Mario Brother 2 flowers somehow. But they've been severely deformed by whatever it was that these antibodies did to beat them back. Did you make it to the experiment zone yet? Yeah, just took a minute. By the way, good job on picking the most crumbling, rundown section of the city to do this in. It'll make a great scene for sure, this is what I'm talking about. That's what half the city looks like now. A lot's been going on since your boss refused to put out any more news about the devastation we've been seeing in the poor areas. It's kind of frustrating. I didn't realize it was this bad. And trust me, I brought the exact same thing up at the last editorial meeting. You know I can hear you guys, right? Okay, Dom, now I need you to load up the chloroquine canisters and shoot some plasma at the viral mass. You remember the instructions, right? Yep. Safety off, focus, and then blammo. I got it. Make sure you get some good tape, okay? This could make a quality promo hit. Holy shit. What's going on? What do you, what do you see? It's intense. They're shrinking back a bit. But I don't think it's actually killing them. Trump said the drug was the solution. I'm sure it'll just take a second for them to disappear entirely. Sounds like you're having a blast out there though, kiddo. Keep up the good work. What's the reading on the phase receptor? The phase Oh yeah, phase receptor. Okay, here it is. Uh, looks like 73, no, 74. Actually, let's just call it 73 and a half, all right? Mm, not ideal. Could be worse though. Okay, now try the remdesivir. Right on. I got this. Bombs away. Badass, Dom. Sounds like my ex-wife's indigestion. That's usually stomach acid, but it's true. Esophagitis can be caused by a viral infection. Nothing's really happening to the viral patch. I'm not quite sure why. But that's not what I'm worried about. What do you mean? Remember when you said the virus was like an alien? Don't misquote me now, Dom. You know I didn't mean that literally. No, I know. But I think you were a little more on the money than you meant to be. What are you talking about, Dom? Holy shit. They're coming. I can see a giant mass pulsating on the western horizon. And I'm getting a 108 reading on the hexometer. Those are just clouds, Dom. Boy, I love this guy's sensational imagination. It's great for the ratings. Oh, fuck. There's millions of them. It's like an oblique spaceship, surrounded by a colony of flying demogorgon. They're all shimmering together with rippling blackness, like a swarm of flying ants. Oh, my, my field of vision is warping, actually. It kind of is like if you went a little bit out of control and messing around with your Instagram filter settings. Rick, you know what this means, don't you? The Cairo researchers were right. There was no procedure errors in the data. 
Are you saying you believe him? No, it, it makes sense. We've had a lot of preliminary data coming in from McGill and Stanford, depicting shadows that suggest there's an electromagnetic component to the viral invasion. I don't know. Sounds like poppycock to me. No, come here. Look at this. All right, so if we take the readings from our experiment today, and then plug it into the radio frequency observations that just came in from the Socorro, New Mexico array. Look, okay, now if we take that number and we use the algorithm designed by the Kremlin scientist. I'm sure this is impressive and all, but what does it mean? Rick, it, it, it's, it's, it's worse than it looks. I, it means the virus is being deployed as an attack weapon by some higher interstellar consciousness. That can't be possible, Esmeralda. But Rick, it, it's true. Look at the data. Don't you understand? People are gonna die. Hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, but only those people. You know, the fat, old, and ugly ones. I'm not worried about myself. The world doesn't know what it's facing. The virus doesn't care where you live, what lifestyle you have, or how much money there is in your bank account. It is coming, and it's coming for all of us. Dom. Dom? What's going on? Are you okay? It's so mesmerizing. They've landed, and they're about a block or two away. So bleak and horrifying, yet totally enthralling. It's, it's kind of hard to pull away, but I know I need to leave. You gotta get out of there now, Dom. You know you don't have health insurance, especially since I only pay you as an independent contractor. They just blew up three glass buildings. It's like a giant cybernetic wave with biological properties. We have to get the word out. You have to leave now. That's an order. Try to make it back to the rendezvous point. Can you do that? I don't know if I'll make it out in time. I still have some canisters left though. Good thing I got some practice with the guns earlier. Whoa! They're almost on me now. What was that, Dom? I can't make out what he's saying. I'm starting to get the feeling this isn't some big joke. No shit. Dom? Dom? Are you there? Are you there? Dom. Dom. Dom! Dom! We've lost him. capture the energy of the moment. We're going to play current value, dark rain. It's got all the feels in a dystopian way.
This song, Current Value Dark Rain, had a feminine alien glowing red on a bleak charcoal background. It was a huge inspiration, along with War of the Worlds, of course, for our radio play. FYI. But let's head to the pot shop and grab Amanda. city are we in right now first of all we're in east los angeles east los angeles like this are the streets always this quiet down here not really 
Oh, it's this virus thing. That's making them pretty dead. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it might get even more dead pretty soon, too, because in 15 minutes or so. What's going on in 15 minutes? Did you hear? A lockdown is supposed to be happening, but I don't know. I'm still scheduled to work this whole week, so I'm going to work. <laughs> You're scheduled to work. Are you are you doing an essential business or what? I mean, I work in this dispensary. I would hope this is essential. That's pretty, pretty <laughs> essential. Essential, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty essential when it comes right down to it by certain people's standards, that's for sure, right? I, you know, I mean, there's people that do need medical that's true that's true i mean that's the thing it's like people need their medicines people need to get where they need to go you know they even said journalists are considered essential services you know yeah so tell me what do you have with you i went and picked you up what's going on i have a roll of toilet paper because i work all the time so i did not have time to stock up on toilet paper like everyone else did and i understand why it's essential now <laughs> but yeah, I'm not the, like one of those crazy people that want to stop up like on thousands of hands and things. Yeah, the cops are called on certain times because of people, you know, getting into fights or disputes. People trying to slide in and get more than their fair share. What do you think about all that madness? Uh, I think it's honestly, it's sad like to be doing that because I saw this video of like an old lady and the lady, the a younger lady had so many like toilet paper in her car and the old lady just wanted one like literally one and she was fighting for it and oh. elders don't have that like luxury that we do like we can run you can just go buy one you get me yeah but old people don't yeah it's so, it's getting real for them you know it's literally like purge <laughs> it doesn't get to that point would you are you scared do you think it might like are you like only one or two people have died so far right here but what do you think? Like, are you I'm concerned? I'm not panicking too much. I'm trying not to think about it because it's kind of like, ugh, it's serious, but I don't want it to be this serious. Okay, for for the people preparing for a pandemic, what's the weed strain you should go with? Uh, an indica for sure. Yeah. An indica. Stock up on your indicas before they're out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Yeah, you have a good one. Be safe. Groups like Current Value of Ed Ruction Optical to thank for the current state of Dark Core and Tech Step. So we're gonna do a little homage to virus recordings. It's a mini mix. These tracks are foundational, canonical, and never more relevant than today. Let's start with No Cure featuring Rhyme Time. And don't forget we got the interview with the Oscar nominated filmmakers coming right up. Condition with the symptoms, therapy, treatment, bacteria, infection. The sounds medicated, a needle with a piston. Real life is sometimes stranger than fiction. Uncontrollable, dire, turmoilish, reckless. Life flash before your birth and section. Question, no answer, no fix, no cure. DNA, blood cells, laying on a cold floor. Medicine injured, get right vaccinated. Scientist, laboratory, white coat faded. Inject you with the serum, your theorem devastated. We contaminate, fake drums infiltrated, raining, cut to shreds, decimated, dark to contagious, leaving you fixated. Up inside your head, to the subatomic, break the nanotech, plague like euphonic.
What are all these? These are my notes. Clues. What kind of clues? It's about the secret army. The army of the 12 monkeys. They're the ones that spread the virus. That's why I'm here. I have to find them. That's my mission. I just have to locate them because they have the virus in its pure form. Or it mutates. When I locate them, they'll send a scientist back here. That scientist will study the virus. Then when he goes back to the present, he and the rest of the scientists make a cure. This next one, it's Ed Russian Optical, the host. As of today, 200,000 people have been killed by the novel coronavirus around the world. Now imagine more than double that number of people dying, but in a single country. That's the case with the tragic Syrian conflict that's still ongoing. The UN says more than 400,000 people have been killed since the war started, and some estimates are even higher. Obviously, comparing a viral pandemic to a complicated Middle Eastern conflict isn't exactly an apples-to-apples comparison, but it is a reminder that there could be important lessons for us to learn. For this next segment, we're going to go back in time a bit, long before anyone had ever heard of COVID-19. We're going to head to the Skirball Cultural Center along the 405 freeway in western Los Angeles to pick up three filmmakers from a movie screening. The cool thing about this conversation is, none of us knew my passengers were about to be nominated for an Oscar. But, nevertheless, I quickly discovered I was in the presence of some pretty badass creatives with an important story to tell about the Syrian Civil War. here today in the car with us. So, my name is Wa'ad Al-Khatib. I'm a Syrian filmmaker and I've done this film which called For Sama. <laughs> I'm Edward Watts. I'm the other director of For Sama. I'm Hamza Al-Khatib, the subject of the film. 
كيف رح تتغير حياتنا للابد؟ And this, by the way, we've been like hanging out here in the car. I'm just driving them where they need to go, and we've been hanging out for like you know minutes and minutes and minutes. And that's the first thing I've heard from you. How are you doing back there? Ah, good. He's tired. He's tired. So where are we coming from? What were you guys doing this evening? So we had a screening in what is it called? It's called the Skirball Cultural Center. Yeah, Skirball Cultural Center. We had this screening and then Q and A, and it was amazing. Lovely audience. Yeah, so good questions. And you know, we've been on the journey of a film. Hamza. And how we premiered in South by Southwest in, uh, since March. Yeah, we won the Cannes Film Festival. Best documentary. We've won 52 awards at festivals around the world. And the last one was the BIFA, the British Independent Film Award. We won four awards, including Best Director, Best Documentary, and Best British Independent Film. For Sana. Thank you so much. I'm so glad and I'm so honored I'm standing here. This award, I will dedicate it for the great Syrian people who are still suffering until today, and the great heroes of doctors, nurses, civil defense, uh, so many other people, volunteers from Mulham team to Violet, to so many other people. Please, I will dedicate this award for them. Let them hear your voice. Thank you so much. I feel like you're like I smoked too much weed when I left the house today. I feel like I have royalty in my car right now. This is awesome. Like, not a lot. Yeah, but we just won a lot of things. Congratulations! A million times, congratulations! I'm very curious to know if you could just, in a few, in your own words, in a few seconds. You know, to someone who doesn't know the concept of what you guys are, have done, how would you describe the plot of the movie? So, for Sama, it's a letter, a love letter for my daughter. Sama. Sama. For the, all the Syrian children who was born in these bad circumstances. It's a love letter to Aleppo, my city. Continue on. US The country where I belong to, where I kept fighting to the rest where I have put, and which I will be keep fighting for the rest of my life. It's for some is five years of love, death, hope, and desperate in a very bad circumstances in Syria. سما أنا بعرف إنك عم تفهم شو عم بصير. بقدر شوف هالشيء بعيونك. So can you like explain to people, or at least to me, try to anyways? Like, you know, there's a war going on. It's pretty much the worst place in the world. Like, as far as you know, danger and and being in harm's way. Why stay? Why? Why subject you know your, you and your loved ones to that? What is the the goal of this? Why why would you choose to make that decision? So like unfortunately, this is the question which need to be like why we should leave. 
like it's our country, it's the place where we were born, this is the place where we should stay forever, the whole of our life. And the first simple right for us as a human being to be live in our country safe. So what we were trying to do just to stay there, keep fighting to have that right happen. Uh, we in Syria were born in very like close country, so corrupted, so bad situation, no freedom of express, no free media. And we just felt in one year, which was 2011, when the Syrian revolution started, that we can change all of this, and that's why we stayed. Sama, I'm not going بدي اياك تفهم شو اللي كنا عم نقاتل مشانه You chose to make a film, you chose to create something out of it. How did that film, how did the celluloid dream come together for you? So I started filming in 2011 when I was a student at Aleppo University and I was doing marketing, something totally different. I've never knew how to use camera, I've never even like knew what media mean or journalism or all of this. The only thing I knew when the Syrian revolution started that I want to be part of that. So I joined the protest and then I started filming by mobile phone, my phone, as many other activists. And this like normal protest being like crushed by, by a very high level of violence by the Syrian regime, Assad regime. And we felt that this is just our responsibility to save what's happening here and film everything that's happening around. So I started filming and then I developed my skills and my experience and my equipment. And I kept filming for the five years without any plan of how I will do this material. I worked in many small local channels for the news and I did some short films but I've never thought about like to transfer all this material to one film which we came later on for some <laughs> You become involved in this. I mean, you so I got involved after after Wad and Hamza were forced into exile, basically when the regime and with Russian help retook Aleppo. Uh, she came to London to meet her old colleagues from the news and revealed to the whole world that she'd gathered this incredible archive over 500 hours, uh, filmed over five years. And when she showed it to them, she was like, "Look, look at what I've been doing. This extraordinary." the most incredible archive of documentary film that's ever been made it was like not only war and suffering but filmed with an incredible female sensibility and an emotional eye like scenes of tragedy that affect you in a way that has never would never affect you before but she'd also captured all of the like details and the spectrum of normal human life in this place about you know mothers how do mothers get food on the table for their kids what people do to support themselves through the darkness and through this horror and in doing so, she'd captured 
something so important, not just about the truth about what had happened in Syria, but the truth about like human beings in these situations. Anyway, that's why they called me up to basically help her, work with her, in order to tell her story in a way that would connect with people in the middle of LA or London or uh, Mexico or South Africa or many of the other places where our film has thankfully traveled. How do you go about doing that? I mean, it takes two years. Basically, filing down 500 hours. Sculpture, my friend. It's sculpture. Yeah, it is. Taking so is like together, taking a block. We worked together for two years and we had very long debate, very long debate, like discussions about how to do this. And we've like done, we've tried every single idea could work in this situation and at the end we come up with this idea and it worked very well and the film was ready after two years of that long hard work hey here's our hotel oh thanks so much for uh you know for explaining that to me and you'll have uh, to check the film out oh i'm I'm gonna watch the, the preview like tonight. The first things first. Yes. Right. I know I've heard of this before. Now, now that you mention it, who's this guy? Is this the police? This is the police. Yeah. What the hell That's are they doing? That's okay. Who knows what they're doing? They're always just around. It's Hollywood, right? So uh, they always run. They could be doing anything. Well, thanks so much. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks. Maybe I'll bump into you guys again sometime. Maybe you will. You can always say, "I was the guy who interviewed you." On the way back. Stop. <laughs> okay. Oh, kid, can stop, I get stop, you stop. this? We're going in there. Okay. All right. Have a good one. All right, brother. Take it easy. Peace to the Middle East. Peace to the Middle East. That's what I always say to people when they leave. I say, peace to the Middle East. Peace. Oh, that will not happen. Will never happen. One day. Nice to meet you. Bye, boy. Nice to meet you. Thanks for this lovely trip. Yeah, thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. Sam. Hatsam Haini. One of the coolest rides I've ever gotten, for sure. That's the thing about being in LA. Sometimes you can go months without seeing any evidence of Hollywood or experiencing anything out of the ordinary. And the city of Los Angeles can feel like any other mediocre city. But then, out of the blue, you'll have an interaction like this that's meaningful and inspiring. But if you're not paying attention, you'll totally miss it. So keep your eyes peeled. And by the way, the music in the intro before that interview was a piece I actually wrote while sitting in a room upstairs of the Skirball while I was working as an extra on the finale of Veep. And this next one is a song by Lake Hayes called Dog Walking in the Park.
Lake Hayes, dog walking in the park. This next one is by Wahada. It's called Don't Let Get You Down.
Alice Wahada, Don't Let Get You Down. And next up, we got Leilani with Floating. But keep in mind, we still have the rest of our radio play to get to, as well as the finale of our stay-at-home day lift adventure. Leilani with Floating. But now for a little musical interlude. Came out of a jam session at my homie Beth's house up in the Bay Area with her former roommates. Thank you. 
Alright, so we're back just before the stay-at-home order is about to go into effect. A curfew for all of Los Angeles except for essential workers. I was in front of a 7-Eleven in eastern Los Angeles, and I started having this conversation with the Spanish-speaking guy. I still to this day I don't know what he was saying, but it sounded hilarious, so I figured I'd throw it in. But should, we be, should we be as worried as we are, do you think? Esto se vive diario, es el se vive a diario, en donde todo el mundo diario. ¿Quién no se muere de una neumonía? ¿Te da neumonía? ¿Te muere? ¿Se muere uno? Hey, I had 15 15 days in the hospital con neumonía. Puren el suero y suero tras suero tras suero hasta 15 días, ¿qué aguanté? Se vive a diario eso. Yeah. It will make it. You take care, all right? You take care. Hey! Yeah, it's this fucking pain, bro. Yeah. If I had a lot of money, I would give him a million to each one so that they don't have to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Money. 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 If I had a guess, I would say he's making a point about how there's a lot of people more vulnerable out there than just those who are gonna be affected by the coronavirus crisis. But I could be wrong. I feel like I have some Spanish speakers out there in my audience. Leave me a comment, let me know. By the way, at midnight, Lyft kept on rolling, because yes, we'd been deemed an essential service, although ride demand dropped pretty much right to zero. Luckily, they roped us in on the unemployment train right at the end. That's just one more example of professional lobbying going into effect. Some pretty high level connections between Lyft and the government. During that time, I discovered this track. It's Moy, M-O-Y. It's called Wisdom Track. Moy, Wisdom Track, look it up. Alright, this next one is Bella Boo with Barack.
Let's go check back in with Dom, Esmeralda, and Rick in our radio drama. Oh no. Take that. What the hell? Oh shit. Dom! Dom! Are you there? I, I still can't get through to him. I'm sure he'll be alright. He's our top reporter. He's been through plenty of shit before. Yeah, but this virus is nothing like we've ever seen. Look at the updates from the Centers for Disease Control. It's taken over half of the city. I still think we're blowing it out of proportion. I mean, babies don't even seem to be dying from it. Rick, get a grip. This is the real deal. Wait. What was that? Did you hear that sound? What the hell is that? It's coming from just down the street or something. No, they're not outside. They're down the hall. I can see something coming this way. What the fuck is that? Coronavirus aliens! They're here! Holy shit, they're fucking gigantic! Quick, grab the plasma gun! Shoot! Shoot, Rick! Oh no, I dropped it. Okay, there we go. Damn, they move so quick. That's why they're so dangerous! Oh no! No! Fuck! They got me! Fuck! My... My god! It hurts so much! I don't think we're going to be able to stop them. Bam! I shot one with a remdesivir cartridge. Right in the RNA. I'm going to try to throw one of these balloons. Whoa, nice shot. They accidentally turned on the stereo too. Not a bad selection. What? Why? I don't know why they're leaving. How bad are you hurt? Pretty bad, but it could be worse. Are, are, are you? They got me pretty good, but I'll live. That was seriously terrifying. That's weird that they would just up and leave like that, right? Yeah. What was up with that? Hey, by the way, I'm really sorry about downplaying the risk of this virus. Well, you're not the only one. The truth is, I've been face to face with viral darkness before. We were on a top secret mission, headed over to the Congo to do a photo shoot for a Louis Vuitton handbag spread. But the World Health Organization found out about it and decided to tag along. Use our planes as cover. That's how we ended up delivering life-saving Ebola materials. Well enough, I thought. Maybe it would build some goodwill. You know, some special advertising sections down the road. Plus, I had just set my mind on rustling up millions in the generic pharmaceutical racket. And you need all the friends you can to bust in on that old boys network, let me tell you. At first it went pretty smoothly. We'd already shot the editorial and ferried the WHO suits and scrubs around to three different small villages. But our plane's wing was taken out by a rocket launcher, and we crash-landed in a village where they saw us as the enemy. Thought we were causing the Ebola virus. You see, just another wave in a long line of Imperial conquering, using bioweapons and the like. Do you know how lethal Ebola is? I saw many men and women drowning in the pain. 
like they were hit by a truck. They dropped like flies, one after the other, an unstoppable force. We grouped together in cells to fight off the attacks by the villagers and to try to shut down the spread of the virus, but it was no use. You know our New York bureau was telling the PR agencies for a month we were off on a golf trip? The UN didn't even locate us until three weeks later. There were 30 of us went on that shoot. Only three of us made it back alive. I've been trying to block out the carnage ever since. I can scarcely believe it even happened. You just had this sickening pit in your stomach the whole time. It almost felt like we were fighting off a force greater than ourselves. Greater than nature. And Gerald, the grand old war documentarian along with us, when he got infected, he said it felt like he was being sucked dry by some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. As his eyes went glassy, he started spouting off some gibberish about how the virus was paving the way for an invasion of the human species. I thought it was a figure of speech back then. But now, I know better. Oh, Rick. I'm so sorry to hear that. I had no idea you were part of that heroic mission. Do you know how many lives you guys saved? They taught us about it in medical school. You had a huge impact. Well, if I can do anything to help stave off this coronavirus pandemic, I sure will. But if I ever end up in the jungle again under attack from a virus, put it to you this way, just forget about the hazmat suit. But damn right, I'll fund those next trials of yours, and I'll help get the word out. Damn straight. You're back! What happened to you guys? What the fuck do you think happened? The virus beat you here, kiddo. Are you okay? It's but a scratch. The virus aliens made it in, but we scared them off. And she even managed to flip on some of your kind of music at the same time. Then they ran off. I'm really sorry I wasn't able to get here sooner. But guess what? Figured out the antidote! Uh-huh. Yeah, what do you mean, Dom? Well, you know how the virus ditched you guys right around the time you flipped on the stereo? That's no coincidence. Turns out, viral receptors are disrupted at a specific frequency on the electromagnetic spectrum. Really? I guess they hate rave music. Maybe they like the Eagles. Probably. They had me pinned down really good. I thought I was gonna die, I was so sure. That was right after I almost got hit by this crazy man holding a flare that came out of nowhere on a freight train that leapt right off the tracks of me for some reason. Plus, I was out of ammo. Like, I had like no chance. So I figured I'd blast some dope-ass beats, you know, just to have a rad soundtrack to my Annihilation or something. Okay. Get this. As soon as the sub-bass kicked in on this Luxura Major track, those malignant flowers, the virus host thingies, they started shriveling up. Wow. That's unexpected. Tell me about it. But it all makes sense now. The study out of Canada, the astronomical readings, this changes everything. Tom, you've done it again. you discovered the cure. All right, let's put out a quick update to the wire and get rolling. Way ahead of you, boss. You might actually get your Pulitzer after all. Do you know what this means? We've got a few extra industrial grade subwoofers mounted to backpacks around the lab that need to go into service staff. Let's do this. That's right. It's time to kick some coronavirus alien ass. There they are. We got them. Hey, you virus motherfucker! Woohoo! We're going down! 
I guess we better play that Luxira Major track that helped our radio play characters figure out how to defeat the coronavirus aliens. This one's Precursor. Precursor by Luxura Major. And now some thoughts from Frequency Horizon contributor Paulo Ricarda over in Berlin, who's been reevaluating the nature of art in a topsy turvy world. I've been so confused about how important art still is, even in times of global crisis, with all that is happening and that has been changing and total uncertainty about the future. My view of what's important and what's not right now anymore is shifting. What can I contribute now as an artist that has meaning in a way that it can help so one can still see it as a contribution to the world? So I'm thinking, what does art mean to me or why did I need to make art? And that was and still is because I need it as an outlet to express my feelings. 
I am the most inspired by others when they express how they're really doing. It makes me feel less weird, less isolated, a form of connection. So maybe it is still relevant. Yo, thanks for that introspection, Paula. Pretty sure those words would fire anyone up. Yes, that's your cue to go and do that thing that you wanted to do that you've been putting off. And for us, that is playing our track of the week. This is Jack Boston featuring Vanity J, The Place. Now it won't be long till I meet my fate But it came up 
Jack Boston featuring Vanity J The Place leading right into one I actually heard at Elixir Amijor show in far northwestern Los Angeles of all places it's Jade Cicada Komarebi That was Jade Cicada, Komarebi. This next one. It's Cove. Liberteur. This is a throwback to our Quebec episodes that we just finished. The last two episodes. And now we've returned to Los Angeles. So Let's ride it out, boys and girls. Space. It's the ability to change your mind without a bloody 
part that was Cove, Le Retour, at least a, a little bit of it. We don't have a lot of time left in the show. There's a couple more I want to get to. That includes this one from Love Regenerator, aka Calvin Harris. It's hypnagogic. I can't wait.
Sorry, guys, we've reached the end. We've got a big thank you to Emily. Wish you the best with your daughter during the crisis. And to Amanda for agreeing to be on the podcast as well. Cheers to Wad Al-Khatib, Edward Watts, and Hamza Al-Khatib. You guys were robbed of the Oscar, in my opinion. Hopefully, I'll get to see you guys again. And if you haven't watched it, you can check out Forsama for free via PBS Online. And kudos to Jason Bowers and Leslie Pine, our radio players in the COVID-19 drama. Thanks to Nancy Wood for this week's cover art, titled The Journey. And yeah, she told me directly that it was inspired by COVID-19 and whatnot. And I think it kind of looks like an octopus. Cheers to Nisoshnik for a theme song. And thank you guys for tuning in. Check back next week as we're working on a segment about social issues on the high seas. Until then, peace. Peace.